this morning. Can you give Jackie a warm welcome? Don't you like her new hairstyle? A little short? Yeah. Looks much younger now. Even younger than me. Very nice. Thank God for His mercy and His grace. Just uh, four weeks ago, she was in hospital. You know, the thing about about health um, and also about wealth is that it goes in cycles. It just doesn't go straight up. Uh, it goes up for a while and turns comes down and goes up for a while, turns and comes down. It's like the flow of traffic. We were um, heading out to see the neurologist on Thursday and we were di- driving down San Marcos 78 at the wrong time, which is any time. And uh, we knew we'd be coming back uh, in the 5 o'clock traffic. And as we were driving down San Marcos, I was looking to the left-hand side, and it was just standstill all the way down. And of course, we believe that it's going to flow for us and that all the lights are going to be green. And we speak to the lights, and we tell them to change. We don't just sit there waste our time. We change, all right? So I'm looking at the lights, and, I mean, this traffic is so bad. And I looked at Jackie. I said, just... Look what we have to come back in at 5 o'clock. And she says to me, that's why we have faith. (laughs) I don't know if you understood what she just told me. She just told me that don't go by what you see. We're going to change it. That's why we have faith, because we're going to change it. And we did. We did. We came flying back. No problems whatsoever. Hallelujah. We just praise God for Jackie's faith um, and for her hope. And uh, she does not want to stay home. She wants to come to church and be here and praise and worship. <clears throat> she couldn't stand this morning because she has tone in the right foot, which is um, very, very painful from, from the, uh, s- the stroke. Muscles go into tone. So she couldn't stand. But she wanted to be here in, in, in worship with you guys. Amen. All right. So. Well, let's get on with the word this morning. Um, we want to talk to you uh, this morning a little bit, and it'll probably continue as to, you know, people often, they've asked me this a lot, um, what, is the, what is the secret to your marriage that you've been married, you know, 50 years next year? And uh, I thought that maybe I'd try and give you some answers. Isn't it interesting how that the culmination of the church age finishes in a marriage? Think about this just for a moment. You're God's body. You're Jesus' body. You're his wife. And his bride. And at the end of the day, there's going to be a marriage ceremony. Think about that for all eternity. God thought that marriage was so important that he would culminate this whole thing in a marriage. So marriage is obviously important, right? Obviously important, important to God. So some of you might be thinking, Pastor, are you really walking around with notes? Uh, Let me just say this. When you've been married 50 years, you'll have this many notes. 
And while I'm talking about who's been married 50 years, I think there's people here have been married longer than I have. I know Stephanie and Bill, you've been married more than that, isn't it? Going to 85 years now? <coughs> 55. Anybody, got a, anybody over 50? Anybody else over 50? All right. Just really? 56 to the same man? Okay. Just want to just check on that. I want you push ahead of the crowd because you had three husbands. Congratulations to you guys. Congratulations. Fantastic. Well, <coughs> first let me just say this. I don't really claim to have um, any special knowledge or insight into marriage. Um, we didn't even do pre-marriage counseling. We didn't even know pre-marriage counseling was available. Um, kind of, I just kind of bumbled along in the marriage while Jackie trained me. <laughs> so that's pretty much how, how we got started. And let and, and me just say, for those who are single here this morning, you go, oh, you're talking about marriage. Well, listen, you might want to listen up because some things I say might be just worth it. Because who knows, you may get married in the future. You might want to get married in the future. You go, Pastor, I'm way past that in age. You might be surprised, Sarah. You might be surprised. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Somebody's saying, no, 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 no. All right. All right. So... Uh, <clears throat> To those that are, that are uh, here are married, um, I, just don't raise your hands, but uh, is your marriage surviving or thriving? And, uh, and amen, amen for those that are shouting back thriving. That's good, that's good to know. But I believe that all of our marriages actually could do better. Amen? I believe they could be better, do better. Now, uh, you know... Just help correct me if I if I make mistakes, okay? So you know that in all the years that I attended church, um, and before I went to the ministry, that I never ever heard one sermon on marriage. The first time I ever heard anything on marriage was about the subject of love, and that was at Bible college. I never heard anything, and so I'm quite surprised that that, that's the case. Well, let's give you a scripture to go by, and you all know Proverbs 18 and verse 22. It said, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. All right. Now, as I share this morning, would you do me a favor? Would you stop nudging your spouse next to you and looking at them? Like, did you hear that? They can read your mind. Would you look inwardly? Would you personalize it? Would you rather go, okay, God, you're speaking to me. And let God speak to your spouse. Because seriously, all the years you've tried hasn't worked. So let it go. <laughs> Don't you think at this time it's enough? Let God take care of it, okay? So, you know, <clears throat> I, I became a wise husband. Because at, uh, at our anniversaries, I learned to forget the past, but never the present. Good. I'm glad you caught it. Next time, come and sit in the front row, okay? We need people that are sharp sitting up the front row. You know, Jackie, Jackie always worked through our entire marriage. In fact, uh, we got married when I was in my third year at college, which was back in South Africa was my final year, and uh, she supported us during that time. And so um, 
I wasn't one of those uh, husbands who said, oh no, oh no, you stay home, you take care of the babies, you do the washing and the cleaning and the ironing and the cooking and the domestic chores, no wife of mine is going to work. Only three people understood that one. That's amazing. Maybe you're part of the new culture. The new culture says, you better work. That's what the spouse, husband says to the wife. We can't make it unless you work. Don't you know we live in Southern Cal? <laughs> yeah, most wives do end up working, don't they? Especially here in California. Well, <clears throat> you know, as we were making our vows, deciding to get married, um, Jackie said, I want to ask you, would you promise me one thing? I go, well, that's easy. Just one. What is that? And she said, when we get old, would you still hold my hand and sit on the bench together with me like a park bench? And I said, yes. I made that promise to her. And we still do it. We, have, we sit outside in our garden and we enjoy our garden together. And yes, we have done that. And that's what she asked. I said, well, I have something to ask of you as well. Just one thing. <clears throat> I want you to understand something, that I'm never, ever going to get divorced. I am never going to divorce you. Now, if you're ready to stay with me forever, through thick and thin, whatever comes, then let's make this agreement and covenant together. And she said, okay. And I'll get, as we go on in our story, I'll tell you how she tried to leave me. <laughs> and I reminded her of her promise to me. And I said to her, when you get that, I want to leave you. Go home, climb into bed, and go to sleep. <laughs> True story, Jackie? See? I brought her here this morning, actually. It was my insistence that she come, <laughs> that she can confirm what I'm saying. But that's actually what, uh, what did happen. Um, yeah, so divorce was never going to be an option. And you know, I do think that the, the problem is that many couples today, uh, they get married for better or for worse, but not for good. Yeah? You've got to get married for good, which means forever. Unfortunately, I think you know the statistics. Are you aware that in America... 200,000 marriages will not last more than one year. They won't make it to the second year. And the average marriage in America is seven years. Average. Anybody greater than seven years here? Give yourself a round of applause. Amen. Anybody greater than one year? Give yourself an applause. There you go. Come on. Praise the Lord. You know, the single, the single greatest uh, hindrance and problem and threat um, to marriage is really pride and selfishness from an uninformed spouse. Basically, I'm saying we are our worst threat, not an outside force, something that's in us. So Jackie and I are so blessed. Next year, it will be 50 years. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, when we got married, we thought that love was enough. Turns out, it wasn't. You see, um, 
Don't be mistaken. If you don't have love, you're doomed before you can say, I do. Never mind Jack Robinson. You're done. It's over with. So <clears throat> I, I've got a few secrets I'm going to share with you. And actually, almost every line could have been a secret. So I'm just going to throw them out there. But I'm going to start with, I think, which is the most important secret to marriage. And that every marriage has to have two loves as its foundation. Two loves as its foundation. The first love is the love that you have for God. And then the second love is the love that you have for each other. Love for God is the priority, and then love for, for, the, for your spouse. Don't even think about getting married if it's not for love. If there's an ulterior motive for getting married, you're doomed. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work. Now, I can say this, that actually there's no greater joy and no greater fulfillment in actually giving love to somebody and being loved. Having somebody love you back. Having a response to your love. And that's what God is all about. God so loved us so that we respond to His love. And He made us that way. Every human being is made to give love and to desire to receive love. And until that happens, you're unfulfilled. You're unfulfilled. So, the problem is, of course... That many of us don't know what true love looks like. I'm going to give you some characteristics of real love. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And these characteristics must be evident if you're going to have a wonderful, fulfilled, successful marriage. And we'll take our time in reading this verse. And begin at verse thir uh, chapter 13 verse 4. It said, love is patient. Love is patient. Very, very important characteristic. If anything is going to be tested in your marriage, it's going to be your patience. Patience with the other person. You're allowed to say amen unless you're concerned that your spouse might think that you're talking about them publicly. Love is patient and love is kind. Now you see, often when we would read 1 Corinthians 13, what we do is we spiritualize this thing. And we go like this, oh yeah, if I'm loving the unlovely, and if I'm loving for Christ, and if I'm walking in love, then I'm patient and I'm kind. So let's make this about us individually and personally. Let's personalize this. Let's not make this a spiritual thing if I'm trying to love the world, or I'm trying to love the unlovely, I'm trying to love another brother in Christ. We're talking about loving your spouse. The love that you must have for your spouse, has to be patient and kind. Think about the harsh words that have been said in your marriage already. Think about the impatience that you've shown. I mean, the small things. You know, some people only have one car. And then... When it's time to go somewhere like to church, the husband will say to the wife, are you ready to go? And she'll say, yes. So he goes out and starts the car, and he waits out there. And he waits. And he waits. And he waits. And this is where patience comes in. 
Because when you said, are you ready? She was saying, well, kind of. I'm, I'm, I'm nearly finished. I, I'm just... She didn't think you meant now. <laughs> right this minute. So now you're exercising patience. And that's just a small thing. That's a small thing. Waiting. Like in the military, there's a saying, hurry up and wait. <laughs> Marriage is the same thing. Hurry up and wait. Right? Patient. Then love is not. Love is not jealous. I'm going to say that again. The God kind of love that you have for your spouse cannot, cannot, cannot be jealous. Jealousy is the opposite of trust. If you trust somebody, there's no jealousy. There's no jealousy. I cannot be jealous of you if I trust you. So no jealousy. Jealousy, jealousy will kill the marriage. So listen carefully to me. No jealousy. Or boastful. Love is not boastful or proud. Boastful keeps talking about what I've done. Look at me. Look what I've done. Boasts about themselves. Boasts about themselves. The God kind of love that you have for your spouse cannot boast about who you are and your accomplishments. Cannot. Cannot boast. Stop the boasting. Cannot be proud. Cannot be proud. If, if anything, humility is the need. For example, I'm so humbled that Jackie worked with me all the years in the ministry and knew more than me in certain areas, I and mean, we'll get to that later on, but in, in many respects, I had to humble myself under her knowledge in the field that she was far better at than I am. So I was never jealous of her. And then in concerning relationships, okay, she's been beautiful her whole life. I could so easily have been jealous if anybody came up and was speaking to her. Or, you know, whatever it is, I could have been jealous. But I didn't have to be jealous at all, ever. She never, ever gave me reason to be jealous because I knew that I had her heart, 100% of her heart. She never, ever had eyes for anybody else at all. Never. So I never, ever had to be concerned that there was not this 100% trust or that... You understand where I'm coming from? So... Being proud and then rude. Love is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. It is, it is so easy to be rude, to be snappy, to come back with a rude statement. It's unnecessary to bark at your spouse. Hello. I know there's not a lot of amens going on. I know that. But I know what's happening in your heart. You're saying, I hope you're listening. I know that. Remember, personalize this, okay? Personalize this. No need to be rude. No need to be too rude about it. If you, if you ask, uh, you know, for scrambled eggs and you get fried eggs, or you ask for fried eggs and you get scrambled eggs, no need to be rude. Be thankful that you got breakfast. 
There is something to be thankful for. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's, that's the thing, uh, you know, uh, uh, about the meals that was prepared for you. No need to be rude about it. She may not be a Gordon Burke cook. And you always buy in. You know what I'm saying? You order out. Buy in, order out, use Uber, whatever. And then you, what a great meal I prepared for you, honey. Don't be rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. Wow, I could stop right here and we could just go home. You believe this is in the Bible? It's been here all the time. If we just read these verses, our marriages would be 100%. But irritability with your spouse is a big deal. It is so easy when you're tired and you've come from work or something's going on and, and everything else and you've asked them to do something and they didn't do it. Then you come and you get so irritable with them, especially if you're watching football. It's ridiculous. <laughs> or whatever you're watching. It doesn't matter. Irritability is uncalled for. Be nice. All right? Be nice. The couch is not a comfortable place to sleep. <laughs> Be nice. And love does not keep any records of being wronged. Now, we usually use this when we talk about other people wronging us. Yeah? Forgiveness and unforgiveness of somebody else in the body of Christ, harm me, somebody at church didn't do this, and then, and then, oh, well, you know what? I don't keep a record of wrongs. Yeah, but then you do for your wife. And I want to tell you something. Don't compete with her. She's got a memory like an elephant. She can remember what you said three years ago in that argument. You can't. You don't even know if she's lying because it sounds so true. And you think, that couldn't be me. Oh, yeah, it was. And then she reminds you what you were wearing. Do not go there. Do not keep a record of the wrongs. Because you'll need to be forgiven. She'll need to be forgiven. Both of you will need forgiven. Okay? You'll need mercy from somebody else. Mercy from your husband or your wife is huge because you can't build on wrongs. You have to get, let them go. You require mercy. All right? It's important. And uh, some of us need a lot of mercy. Amen? A lot of mercy. But let's not abuse it. Let's not demand mercy. We need to give some mercy as well. All right. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love keeps on working. Love never loses faith. Believing in somebody, loving somebody, believing the best for some, somebody, love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful. It's remarkable that Jack, Jackie's character um, and her personality is one of such great hope. And great faith. It is absolutely remarkable. Uh, you know, I live with her, Cindy, with, with her um, every day. And I'm telling you, if you come up and you ask Jackie, it doesn't matter what's going on in her life, how you're doing, she's going to say, fabulous. Fabulous. And anybody in her condition should never say fabulous. In fact, one day, I think, when she passes on her tombstone, I'll say, here lies fabulous. She really will be fabulous, but always has that hopeful uh, outlook. Um, I, can, I can't 
criticize or complain about anything going on around me because Jackie always has a positive out outlook and a positive something to say about it. She will find something positive to say, even, even if it's, well, it's over now. Right? See, it doesn't matter what you're going through. And you complain. This and then and she says, well, well, it's over now. So shut up. Why are you going to complain? It's done. It's done. The Bible says it came to pass. It's gone. It's over. Move, move along. Move along. But I want to complain. But it's over now. Always hopeful. Love is always hopeful. And endures through every circumstance. doesn't matter what you go through in life. If you truly love somebody, the manifestation of it will be that you will endure through every circumstance. You know, we say, we say those vows when you get married. We used to say, you know, in, in riches and poverty and sickness and health, we used to go through those things. Sounds like we're making curses on ourselves. But in reality, that is what you will go through in life. You will go through sickness. You'll go through good health. You'll go through wealth and you'll go through poverty. You will. That's what's going to happen. And through everything and whatever you go through in life, and I'm going to tell you, the devil has so much in store to throw at you that you'll wonder where he gets it from. Every day, he's waiting for you to put your feet on the floor before he throws something new at you. He comes up with new ideas. But through every circumstance that you go through, genuine, true love, the love that I'm talking about, this genuine love endures that. It doesn't turn on each other like a pack of dogs or two cats in a bag. Love will last forever. The love we're talking about lasts forever. Okay, so have a look at those things. Now, this kind of love we're talking about will actually motivate you <clears throat> to change into a better person for the sake of your marriage. We're all growing up. We're all changing. Amen? Yeah. yeah. All right. So secret number two, as you can see, there could have been 100 secrets already. Uh, secret number two, we have to work at our marriage. We have to work at our marriage. People think, well, I'm getting married. I love the person. And this is going to be hunky-dory. No, it's not going to be. It might be hunky, but no dory. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of bumps in the road. So you have to work at your marriage. How many of you own dogs? Let's see. How many of you own dogs? How many of you had to train your dogs? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But you love your dogs? Yeah. But you had to train them. Yeah. You have a relationship with your dogs? Yeah. But you had to train them. Mm -hmm. How many of you had children? How many of you got children? How many of you had to train your children? How many of you love your children? Somebody's saying, hmm. Yeah. You have to train, right? You had to train your children. So you love them, but you had to train them. You would, thought, you would have thought that God would have created children just to love their parents and to be good little billion sausages. But it didn't turn out that way. You know, I go, God, what is going on here? I'm going to take this child to Pastor Lindsay to cast the devil out. There's something wrong with this child. He's only three years old. Well, everything, everything in life that you would hope to turn out well requires work. Anything that you want to succeed in requires work. So why would marriage be any different? It, it, it just because you've got work to do doesn't mean you don't love the person, right. Right? right? So, you see, think about this. Marriage is about learning to live with 
and to love someone who is completely, completely different to you. They are, uh, they have different strengths, different weaknesses, um, and we're gonna, we'll discuss that later on. But you're having to learn to live with somebody who doesn't think like you. And it doesn't matter if you've got 50 years under the belt. No. We still don't think the same. No. We, I mean, we, we, to a certain extent we do, but we still don't. Not 100%. So learning to live with somebody. Uh, secret number three. Embrace change. Embrace change. How many of you think, just for a minute, that you're exactly the same person as got married those years ago? Anybody here? Nobody. So you think you've changed? You think you've changed? You think your spouse has changed? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. What you don't realize is that you've also changed. And I'm not just talking about your physique. We know that you used to be, you know, muscular man, all this kind of stuff, and she was Mrs. Beauty Queen, and then you went into the furniture business. Your chest slipped into your drawers. You became a man of integrity. The bubble is in the middle. You're a man on the level. Things change. So what am I saying? Change is here to stay. Embrace it and be aware of the fact that not only are you changing, but your spouse is changing. Secret number four. Grow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> How many of you say to your children, use your words? How many of you say to your husband, use your words? Stop grunting, use your words. Uh, we have to change and we have to grow up. We have to grow up. You see, um, Jackie and I had to learn from each other and from the mistakes that we were making, which is very humbling. Humbling. Now, like in our situation, I was fortunate because I was right most of the time, so she had to humble herself a lot and learn a lot from me. Folks, uh, I'm lying to you with a straight face. You know that I'm, I'm joking with you right now. Uh, but, but all of you know that you're learning from your spouse. Hello. You're learning from your spouse, and it takes a lot of humility to acknowledge that what you're saying is impacting my life and you're true. The worst part is when they are right. All the time. Frank says all the time. <laughs> all right. Good one. Good one. She's going to take you out for lunch now. Awesome. Okay. So, um, you know, other than the relationship you have with Jesus, marriage is the most important relationship you'll have on earth. Is it more important than the relationship you have with your children? Because you, they, they come into your home, they grow up, and they leave. You know, they, they leave in their 20s or 40s, but they leave. <laughs> I know they come back, but they leave. But your marriage relationship is a relationship that you'll have with one person, should be one person, for the longest part of your life. For example, I'm 70 years old. I've been married 50 years next year. 
This means this is a lot of my life that I've spent with one person. Whatever we've had to go through, whatever problems and difficulties we've had to go through, and the children and everything else, and our education and our jobs, everything, we've had to work this out together. So this is a critically important relationship. Some people spend more time planning their one-week vacation than they plan their marriage. They spend more time reading books about the venue they're going to and what the weather's going to be like, the hotels are going to be like, than books about how to be a good husband or wife. So we need to grow up. We need to find out how to do it right. right? I have a golf, a golf coach. He's on TV. He doesn't know that he's coaching me. <laughs> and I don't pay for it anyway. I've just, I watch the, the golf instruction. And he's very good. And he says this, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you've been getting. And that applies to our marriage. If you're not happy with what your marriage is, then change what you've been doing so you can get something different and something better. Now, the stats in America show us that the way the Americans are doing marriage is not working. Yeah? It's not working. So here's my, my incentive. If you will do what others won't do, you can have what others won't have. A good, successful, loving, beautiful marriage. So you have to swim upstream like a live fish. You've got to do something different to what the culture is saying and the way the culture is doing things. If you're going to have a successful, godly marriage. Secret number five. Make your marriage your highest priority. Now, of course, foundation is loving Jesus, so don't get confused now. I'm not saying Jesus is a second to your, to your marriage, but I'm saying in the natural things that you've got to do, you have to make marriage your highest priority. So, we were very young when we got married. I was 27 years old when I was running my first church. And I threw everything that I had into the ministry. I say it this way to my shame that I made the ministry my mistress. And I gave my time and my energy and my love and my priorities to other people. To caring for other people, ministering to other people, preparing sermons, doing Bible school teaching and everything else. To the neglect of my family and my wife. So this is where the problems start, is when a man spends all of his time trying to earn his salt and he forgets to earn his sugar. You forget about your sugar because you're spending so much time working on your salt. Hmm? Yeah. So, marriage, make it your highest priority. You can always tell what your priority is by how, you, how and where you spend your time and your money. If you look back at your bank account and see where your money went, then you'll know what's a priority in your life. It could be entertainment. It could be meals. It could be sports. It could be something. I don't know what it is, where your money goes. Uh, it's chasing your heart. And uh, so it's a, it's a way to check. Also, you check your time. How do you spend your time? I want you to evaluate your marriage. Evaluate 
how you're prioritizing things in your life. For example, how are you prioritizing your time? How are you prioritizing the time with your friends or with sports or with hobbies um, or activities or work? Where is your time going? What is a priority in your life? Are you prioritizing your marriage? Is your marriage business-centered? Is it a convenient marriage because of business? Is your marriage children-centered? And listen carefully, this can be a real issue. What do I mean by children-centered? Everything revolves around the children. Everything revolves around the children. So the question is this, when the children leave home, will you still have a marriage? Will you have anything to talk about? Will you have anything in common? Or will it always be, when can we get together again with the children? When can we get together with the grandchildren? Nothing wrong with getting together with the children or getting together with the grandchildren. But if you cannot survive as a married couple without that in your life, you've got trouble. You haven't prioritized your marriage. So if you want to have a a long-lasting, thriving marriage, make it your priority. What do I mean by making it a priority? Read books on marriage. Read books on it. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't read any marriage books until my marriage got into trouble. Until I discovered this problem that the ministry uh, was my mistress. And I didn't discover it. Jackie pointed it out to me. She pointed it out to me uh, on the basis that I don't think we can continue anymore. I'm done. I'm going to leave you. You don't love me. You love the church more than me. People are more important to you than I am. And of course, it wasn't true. In my heart, it wasn't true, but my actions said something different. So I then began for the first time, because of the pressure and because of the difficulty was, I was in, I started to think, oh, with my lightning quick brain, I should read some books on marriage and find out what I need to know. And then what I did is I got myself a day planner, And in the day planner, I wrote down for the whole month romantic ideas every day. See, I was that romantic that I had a future plan, romantic ideas, because it came so naturally to me as a man, so spontaneous to me, that unless my wife had told me what I meant, what she wanted me to do romantically, I was, duh. And you see, women want their husbands to be spontaneous and loving and romantic, men say, tell me what to do, honey. Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. I'll make you happy. Just tell me what to do. Don't you know? I don't know what to do, but I want to make you happy. Mm. And you think that works then when they respond? No, it doesn't work. So, I got the books, 1,001 Romantic Ways. How many, how many another book? Not many, get it. And I paged through that book and I wrote down throughout the whole month, take her for ice cream. Buy flowers on the way home. Call her for no reason. Just to say I love you. Well, you know, you could text for no reason. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you don't have to, you know, call. You could do something else. I mean, you could Instagram. 
for no reason. I think, you could Marco Polo her. That would impress her. And some of you are going, what does that mean? Yeah, no. You could do something. You could come up with some romantic ideas, anything, uh, to let her know. You know. Uh, not every wife loves flowers, but I came to find out that Jackie likes flowers. And so now, 50 years later, she has flowers every single day in her, in her bedroom. Every single day. She's never a day without flowers. Grow them in my garden. And, and if I, my garden does have any, my neighbors do. <laughs> and so you laugh. So let me, this true story. So one day I had forgotten, I had forgotten to look at my planner for my romantic thing. And I was almost home. I was literally one minute from home. And I thought, oh, God, help me. And I drove past my neighbor's house, and it was filled with beautiful roses. So I pulled up in my car. I got out, and I walked like this to the rose garden. And I thought, Henry, what are you doing? You're the pastor. You can't be stealing people's roses. I don't care how much you love your wife. You, didn't, you can't do this. Okay, you're right, Holy Spirit. You're right. You're right. And so I decided I'm going to just be bold. I walked right up to the front door, knocked on the door. Lady answered the door, and I said, ma'am, would you do me a big favor? You've got such a beautiful roses in your garden. Just love the roses. I would like to pick 12 roses for my wife. Uh, would you do that? Could I do that? She said, oh, young man, and I was. And he says, <laughs> let me do it. And she went out, got her clippers and her gloves, and then she cut roses. She gave me a dozen roses. I mean, like this. And she says, this is phenomenal. Anytime you want Flowers for your wife. You stop by here. I'll give you. I said, thank you so much. I put the flowers in. I went home and I told Jackie what happened. I didn't say I went shopping and got there. I said, no, I won't tell you this is what happened. And she loved me more for my stupidness and for the, for the fact that I'd forgotten and for the fact that I had the boldness to go and ask the neighbor. She thought that was even more lovely. Yeah? She th it worked. So a week later... We're on our way to go to church or something, and we drove past the neighbor's house. I said, come with me. We pulled. I said, this is where I got the roses. I went and knocked on the door. I said, ma'am, I want you to meet my wife. This is the lady you gave the flowers to. And she said, I love your husband. He is awesome. And anytime you guys want flowers, please come along and do that. I still do that. When I walk on my walk down around my neighborhood, I'm looking for people who got good flowers. <laughs> I'm not trying to get fit. I'm actually looking for flowers. And I will meet the neighbors. How are you doing? Everything else? Yeah, I'm from up the road. and Good to see you. And I'm making friends and everything. I go, wonderful flowers you've got. Yeah. And then, and then I tell them, Jackie's at home and this is what's going on. Is, could, I meet, could I pick a few of the flowers for my Oh, yeah, any time. You are absolutely coming. I drive with my car in the back. I've got a bucket and I've got gloves. I've got everything. I drive down the neighborhood. I'm picking flowers. I'm cutting flowers. I'm picking flowers. I don't buy flowers. Everybody's got flowers. And we've got such a giving neighborhood. So generous. Another day, all about flowers, another day. Uh, so <clears throat> I had forgotten flowers, and I wasn't by this lady's house. So, oh, I'm in trouble. Now I'm in trouble. And you know what? On the side of the road, there were some of these little wild flowers that come up, you know, like you see in San Diego on the side of the road during, during spring, you get these flowers. So I pulled up, and I picked a handful of these bunch of these wild flowers, just short stems, and I go, God help Jackie to love them. And I 
I came home and I said, sweetie, I, bought, I got these flowers on the side of the road for you. I picked up, I thought about you and bought them home. Like she was crying. She says, this, this is amazing. You really love me. I'm going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I was in such trouble because I hadn't remembered to do something for her. But she thought that that action of stopping on the side of the road, thinking about her and picking the wildflowers uh, was me showing her love. Well, my time is up for today. We're going to stop here, and um, I'll continue next week um, on the next exciting episode <laughs> of my 1,000 Secrets. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. We thank you for the love of God that is shared aboard in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you are helping us to become better husbands and better wives, better fathers, better mothers. Thank you that you're preparing the single people for an exciting life together with the love of their life. Lord, if there's anything that Jackie and I have been through that can help your precious lambs, your sheep, your bride, your wife, be happy to share with them and to be vulnerable to them. So I thank you, Lord, that right now what has been said will settle in their hearts. And even from here, Lord, there will be, there will be a, new, a new love that will rise up in their hearts, a, a, a new willingness to forgive, a new willingness to look at their spouse in a different way. Help each person as they desire to make those changes to be a, a better partner in marriage. Lord, I pray for every person here today who have never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, that they would desire Jesus as the center of their life. I pray for those who this morning want to receive the Holy Spirit, that they will be filled to overflowing, and those who are sick in their body will be healed this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. Let's have our ministry team down here. If, uh, if you need healing, if you need prayer for the Holy Spirit, uh, it's too early to pray for your marriage. Come down for your marriage, okay? We're just starting, so don't come down for your marriage. We will, we'll, we'll continue with that as we go. But if you need prayer for anything, come on down. Our prayer team is waiting to minister to you, and we will see you at P3. It's going to be awesome. Plan to be with us. It's going to be a wonderful time. Amen? God bless you. Thank you for coming out, and have a wonderful week. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.